certificates, and good times. TheCooperageProject.org And from listeners like you. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the local edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host for this evening, Patricio Robayo. Thank you for joining me this Friday evening. In the second half of the show, we'll be checking in with Brett Barry, live in studio. He is the host and the producer of the Cats Cast Podcast. It's one of the new podcasts that's on our community podcast page. Check that out on wjffradio.org slash podcast. This podcast was voted the number one regional podcast in 22, based on 2022 Promo Grammys, and it's starting its fourth season. But first, on the local edition, it's Friday, and every other Friday, we check in with the Times Union to see what's going on in the Hudson Valley. And Philip Tuso is the managing editor for the Hudson Valley Bureau of the Times Union. He's on the phone with us now. Philip, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back. And, and Happy New Year, because this is the first time we're talking to you in the new year. So Yeah, Happy New Year to you, too. You have an article recently in the Times Union Hudson Valley edition about two Hudson Valley congressmen who are asking Congressman George Santos to resign. What can you tell us about this story? Yeah, so on Thursday, um, Mike Lawler, who represents um, Rockland, or Rockland County uh, down in NYA 17, and then Mark Molinaro, whose district spans a huge swath of, of upstate New York, uh, they joined the growing chorus of New York Republicans who are calling on, um, let's call him the embattled congressperson, <laughs> George Santos, uh, the Republican from Long Island. Who, uh, who was revealed a few weeks ago to have seemingly made up his entire resume. Um, as we have it now, there are six of the 11 um, Republicans in New York's congressional delegation who are calling on Santos to resign. Um, Lawler certainly had, I think, stronger words yesterday. He issued a, a press release that had it bold, all capital letters at the top, declaring that uh, Santos should step down, saying that he has lost the confidence and support of his party, his constituents, and his colleagues. And he said, I believe he is unable to fulfill his duties and should resign. Molinaro was a bit more cagey uh, in, a, in a text message with me. He said that George Santos's dishonesty has eroded his ability to represent his neighbors and serve in Congress. I don't see how he can continue. He didn't actually call for him to resign exactly. So, so I asked her a bit of clarification and his communications director said that, yes, that statement means he thinks he should resign. Um, sort of in the background here is um, sort of increasing questions about Santos's fundraising during his campaign uh, in advance of the November midterm elections. Uh, there was another big report that the New York Times published on Thursday that reviewed Santos's financial records um, and revealed that he may have run afoul of campaign finance law by raising funds through this entity that 
long story short, he sort of presented to voters as an independent expenditure group that would be spending on, on his campaign's behalf, but never actually registered it with the FEC as such. Um, during his run for Congress, Santos um, or his campaign donated about $12,000 to at least a dozen Republican candidates, including Mark Molinero, I think got a $1,000 campaign contribution um, back in March, of course, before uh, Santos was revealed to be a serial liar. Um, Molinero hasn't said exactly what he's going to do with that campaign contribution. Um, other Republicans who did also receive funds from Santos have uh, already given the money back or pledged to do so. Um, and then one, uh, Nassau County or Suffolk County legislator said that he was going to donate the money to charity. So that's where we stand. Um, growing calls, I think, for uh, for Santos to resign, although notably the um, House Conference Chair, Elise Stefanik, from, uh, from further upstate New York, she has not joined those calls, nor has Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy. And Santos has said, you know, he's not going to resign. Uh, he's going to have to be voted out of office in two years. My main question I always ask myself, and maybe there isn't, and maybe you're not, you're not sure, is that I'm just surprised that there's no law that will prevent something like this for a person lying about everything in, his, in their background, uh, where they went to school, how their their mother passed away, and, 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 and all those things that he's been saying, that there's no law against this. I know there's going to be an investigation on his campaign finances, but as of right now, he can't be, uh, you know, taken off Congress for just lying on his resume. Is that correct? Well, that sort of remains to be seen. Um, you know, it's it's certainly not against the law to to lie on your resume, but um, you know, one of the consequences of all of this being made public is that a court case that had gone cold in Brazil. Um, from when Santos was living there is now being um, sort of resuscitated. And I think they're going to try to bring him down or they want to bring him down anyway to stand trial um, for some fraud that he perpetrated when he was living in Brazil. And Kevin McCarthy, uh, Speaker of the House yesterday, said that um, he will go before uh, the House Ethics uh, Committee. Um, and, you know, if they find that there's anything they need to investigate, basically. Um, so. You know, this is a developing story. I, it certainly stands to reason that, uh, there are more twists and turns here. And I don't think we can say for sure that he did not break any laws in, um, manufacturing his entire political identity, it seems. This is definitely an ongoing story. And I look forward to hearing more of your reporting in the Times Union. Now, let's take a look at housing uh, on short-term rentals. Short-term rentals have had a boom here in the Sullivan Catskills before the pandemic, and it just seemed to increase after the pandemic or during the pandemic. Uh, you did some reporting about some of the uh, new restrictions that might be coming from New York State. What can you tell us? Yeah, so, you know, as 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 you noted, um, short-term rentals like Airbnbs and VRBOs have, have really proliferated in recent years in some of the state's more high tourism regions, including the Hudson Valley and Catskills. Um, and there had been sort of patchwork efforts at the local level to, to regulate Airbnbs, but um, those efforts have, you know, created a, a patchwork. You'll, you'll have some towns that 
track Airbnbs and limit them to, let's say, only owner-occupied rentals, whereas the next town over has no, has no tracking or registration at all. So in an effort to try to kind of get on top of this, last week, State Senator Michelle Hinchy introduced a bill uh, called the Short-Term Rental Registry Act, which would uh, is basically intended to help municipalities track, regulate, and collect taxes on vacation rentals. What Hinchy told me is that instead of putting the onus on every community and small town to figure this out on their own, this is a moment for the state to step in. I think what she has kind of rightly identified is that most municipalities, even the ones who, you know, passed legislation to try to regulate short-term rentals, don't have the resources, the manpower, the finances to effectively do so. I think a good example is um, the city of Beacon in Dutchess County, which passed a short-term rental law uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, as part of that law, short-term rentals owners are required to register their rentals with the, with the city. But there's really no enforcement mechanism. And so, like, a vanishingly small percentage have actually done so. And there's not, and the city doesn't really have any more resources to devote to it. So what Hinchy's law would do, um, its primary outcome really would be to create a statewide registry, registry, which would be managed by the New York Department of State, and uh, which would require property owners to register their units every two hours, or every two years, sorry. And failure to do so would result in a 200 fine per day. That registry will be shared with municipalities across the state so they can sort of have a fuller picture of what the vacation rental landscape looks like in their area. The bill also uh, establishes um, protocols uh, and amends the tax law to make these rentals subject to uh, the hotel tax and the occupancy tax. Um, so what it doesn't really do is it, it's not super specific in what kind of vacation rentals will be permitted. Um, the law is written in such a way to feed a lot of that decision-making power to the localities. Um, really, it, like, it's, supposed, it's intended to just provide a statewide registry and a lot of data and information um, and resources for tax collection to help localities figure this out on their own, essentially. Um, it's not going to override any of the local laws, although owners will not have to register for the state and the local registry. They'll only have to register for the state registry. So um, that was just introduced last Friday, um, and Governor Hochul has made housing and kind of tackling affordable housing in the state a big component of what she wants to do in 2023. So uh, Senator Hinchy, I think, is cautiously optimistic that this bill has good chances in the state legislature. Yeah, I, I do. I do know about the local laws that have popped up in Summit County. Many towns have done it. Uh, I say, for example, I don't know if you mentioned this in in Pacific and in this law, but if for if for Fallsburg, for example, they passed a short term rental law that not only have the they have to register with the town, but they also have to get a permit. They will have to do uh, an inspection of the home to make sure it's up to code uh, as far as fire safety, like smoke alarms, things like that. Um, and if, uh, uh, and then only then if that, that passes, they would get the okay to, to 
open their short-term rental business. Uh, but I, I also question about like the enforcement of that. I, I, I believe from what I understand is the only way they sort of figure out that they're not registered is just doing a, a search on the like Airbnb website. But again, that takes manpower sitting down on the computer and manually going to the computer and finding out addresses and going to the addresses and seeing if there's, they're set up. So, uh, I wonder how, how much enforcement has taken place already, um, in small towns. So I'm glad that the, you know, the state is stepping in and sort of, um, you know, doing something. Do you know, if, if this law goes into effect, that would supersede all the other local laws, I assume, right? No, no. I mean, it, it wouldn't supersede. It wouldn't supersede the local laws. Basically, it provides a sort of framework to uh, sort of accentuate or bolster the local laws where they're all where there are local laws in place. Um, one of the things it's also going to do on this registration front is um, I, I mentioned it's going to the, the State Department of State is going to maintain a comprehensive database of all of the vacation rentals. Um, municipalities that already have um, registration requirements will be will need to share those with the state. And then that data is going to be shared not only with municipalities, but with these vacation rental booking services like Airbnb and VRBO, who will be required to verify that the properties listed on their platforms are properly registered. And if they're not, then they will face a fine. We were talking to Philip Pontuso, Managing Editor for the Hudson Valley Times Union. Thank you so much, Philip, for joining us on the air again on the local edition. And we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Take care. All right. Take care. Thank you so much, Philip, for that information for the Hudson Valley Times Union. Coming up, we'll be talking to Brett Barry, host and producer of the CastCast podcast. But first, we have some news out of Monticello. It was a major drug bust. We'll be right back. This is Radio Catskill. According to Acting District Attorney of Sullivan County, Brian Canty, a significant seizure of narcotics occurred in the village of Monticello. During the early morning hours of January 4th, a no-knock search warrant occurred at the inn in Monticello, resulting in the arrest of Lito Solis. According to the DA, Solis was found in the possession of more than 8 ounces of crack cocaine and 6 grams of fentanyl with the intent to sell. The arrest stems from an investigation headed by the New York State Police Violent Gang Narcotics Enforcement Team with the assistant of Sullivan County's DA's office. Solis was charged with criminal possession of a controlled substance in the first degree, a Class A1 felony, among other charges. According to the DA, following Solis' arraignment, Solis was remanded to Sullivan County Jail without bail by the Village of Liberty Justice Troy Johnstone. Canty said the quality of narcotics seized here endangers the Sullivan County community at large. His office remains committed to prosecuting those who profit off the backs of Sullivan County residents suffering from the dangers of drug addiction. Recently, acting DA Canty was appointed co-chair of the Sullivan County Drug Task Force, a position once held by his predecessor, Megan Galligan. Sullivan County continues to have the highest number of overdose deaths caused by opioids and fentanyl in New York State outside of New York City. According to the annual report by the New York State Department of Health, a number of overdose deaths involving any opioid increased each year between 2010 and 2017, with an overall increase of 200%. For more local news, tune into the local edition weeknights at 6.30. For Radio Catskill, I'm Patricio Rubio. You're listening to the local edition. 
winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. On this week's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Law & Order SVU's Marishka Hargitay talks about how she had other plans for her career. <laughs> I did actually think that I was going to go into comedy. Yeah. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. And then I became a sex cop. I know. <laughs> I'm Peter Sagel. Our secret ambition is to have you listen to this week's news quiz. That's Wait, Wait from NPR. Sunday morning at 10 on Radio Catskill. Welcome back to the local edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Patricio Robayo. Thank you so much for joining me on this Friday evening. The Catscast podcast is a bi-weekly podcast covering history, arts, and culture, outdoor adventure, sustainability, and local interviews from New York's Catskill Mountains and the Hudson Valley. The podcast has started its fourth season and has over 80 episodes under its belt. The podcast is produced by Brett Barry of Chichester. Based out of Silver Hollow Audio, he's the creator of podcasts, audio tours, public radio, segments, and audiobooks. And he's live in the studio with us. Welcome to the show, Brett. Thank you so much, Patricio. It's great to be here. I have a live guest in the studio. It doesn't happen often, so... <laughs> um, you know, welcome to the show, Brett. Brett, you spent part of the afternoon here touring our studios, uh, interviewing us, doing some interviews for the future episode of, of Cast Cast. So, uh, so, Brett, tell us, what do you think of our new studios? This studio is amazing. It's really uh, uh, impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I remember touring the old location many years ago, and um, this one just has um, a real studio feel to it. Right. And um, it looks like um, you, you really put a lot of planning into this space, and it shows. Right. I mean, it's, it's, you have a great voice for radio, I'm telling you. Perfect you. for radio. So, um, how did this podcast start? Why did you want to do this podcast? I've been doing voice work and um, production, video and audio production for a long time. And uh, I had done a number of audio tours through the Catskills. So, um, putting a tour in like on a CD or uh, downloading through SoundCloud or something like that so that you could tour a specific um, area of the Catskills and hear about the history from local people who live there, historians, folklorists, outdoor adventure experts, that kind of thing. And um, after a few years of doing that, uh, I realized that podcasts might be a better way to get this kind of information out there because everybody's using them these days. And with the cell phone issues in the Catskills that you probably are aware of, uh, it's not always possible to stream things live. Right. Um, and of course, CD players are going the way of the uh of the dinosaur. So, um, podcast seemed like a logical cho choice. So that was the, that was the reasoning behind it. Uh, so that I could kind of, um, get this content out in a new way right. that quickly led to developing a lot more content to feed the podcast because we have a new show every two weeks. So right. I ran out of material quickly <laughs> and had to find more, but that hasn't seemed to be, uh, be a problem. No, you know, that's, that's, that's you talk about podcasts and the way to get information out there to people, uh, you know, I, I remember podcasts from the early 2000s. I had a, like a comic book podcast when I was younger. Uh, when, you know, I remember I had a black spot. That's, that's the way you could put it out there for the podcast. Um, and it was difficult to get podcasts on, on, on the internet at that time. Now it's just so easy and it's just, it just seems like it just exploded. 
this podcast everywhere. I, I mean, I start my day with a podcast to hear the news and hear what's going on. Um, what do you, what do you think about, about this, about this having this medium now that folks can express themselves, do shows like you're doing here and, and, and create content? Yeah, it's great. I mean, it really opens the doors to anybody who has a story to tell. And as you said, it's really, um, quite easy these days to get it up there. Um, so I spent a lot of time, you know, crafting the story and then, editing, editing, editing so that <laughs> people will want to listen to it. That's the other thing is that, yeah, anyone can put one up there, but uh, uh, sometimes audio quality gets in the way. So that's something that I'm really, um, really particular about. And I try to do a lot of the um, recording out in the field like we're doing right now rather than over the phone so that it gets listeners to come along with you uh, right. and experience the natural sounds of the place. That's a big part of it. And, uh, but, but yeah, once the, once the story's recorded, once the editing and mastering and all that's complete, then, uh, actually getting it out into the world is not the hardest part anymore. Right. Um, you know, I'm always interested in, in the process. Uh, I've, uh, you could pull back the curtain a little bit. I've watched a little bit here today recording us, uh, using your art equipment. Uh, I love seeing the process of how things are made. Um, you know, if you could turn back, uh, how long does it take for you to put a path? Uh, podcast together you know you're interviewing folks you're exploring you're going out there i'm sure it takes mm -hmm. a lot of research and editing how long does an, an episode take there's research uh and then of course uh, going out into the field and nothing is really a short drive in the cat skills okay. so that takes a few hours but um usually i'll spend about an hour or two at the location interviewing and collecting natural sounds wherever i am and then i uh, hopefully i have time to sit with it for a little while and just uh start doing a little bit of scripting in my head to see how the story is going to come together. A lot of times I don't present it the same way that I recorded it. I'll uh, change the, the timeline and maybe we'll hear something I recorded last first and right. vice versa. So um, finding a way to script it so that the story is more interesting or most interesting, taking advantage of what I have. And, um, and then the editing process, I always say to myself, it's going to be, Oh, this will be a quick one. This will take two hours. And then, you know, dinner time rolls around and I'm just wrapping it up. <laughs> so editing can take the better part of a day. Right. And then, uh, you know, as, as I said to you right before we went on air, a lot of times I'll take it out in the car with me before I'm really happy with it, make sure it sounds good kind of in the real world. Right. And I'll make a couple more notes, go back to the uh, computer, edit a little bit more or just change a few things that I didn't like when I listened to it kind of as right. a consumer <laughs> and not so much as an engineer and then go back and, and fix it up. Wow. I mean, say it does take a lot of work to put podcasts together and your podcast shows, you talked about you, you pay attention to the details of audio production. Your production of your podcast is fantastic. It's Thank well you. done. Uh, the music, everything is, 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 is top notch. Um, your latest episode of Shay and the Catskills, uh, we're going to hear a little clip right now of it soon. Um, you could just talk, walk us through this, this episode. You talk to Shay the Catskill, who's a tarot practitioner, practitioner, mm -hmm. an artist. Uh, what can you tell us about this episode? Uh, Shay, I recently met, she emailed me through my podcast form to, uh, give me some feedback on another episode that I did. So I met her through that. Then I discovered that, uh, uh, Shay does tarot and art and is very involved with the community. And I thought that this would be a really nice way to start the new year. Um, who better than a, a tarot card practitioner to <laughs> give us a little insight into 2023. Right. So we hear a little clip from, uh, the latest episode of the cast podcast. Right. I have a very sort of dark, clear-eyed view of where we are, and I wake up every day and I 
really do try to enjoy my life in a deep way and um, try to make the best meaning possible from everything that I do. To start off the new year, we visited Shay in the Catskills, an artist, tarot practitioner, facilitator, organizer, and contemplative, for a deeper than perhaps expected conversation on community, tarot, inspirations, and predictions. We hope you'll join us. And with this episode, we enter year four of CatsCast, with 80 episodes behind us and many more to come. You can hear everything at CatsCast.com, where you can also connect, suggest, donate, and more. Hi, thank you so much, and Happy New Year. I'm Shane the Catskills. I'm an artist and tarot practitioner. I'm a library clerk and organizer and a contemplative who's been living in the Catskills for over 16 years. So your website, ShayInTheCatskills.com, has your kind of byline as art and tarot. Um, but it's a lot more. And you're a writer, you're a podcaster, you seem to be a curator of good and meaningful things. So tell me a little bit about your life. Well, I moved up uh, to the Catskills in 2006 to do a period of residency at Zen Mountain Monastery. And I did do a short period of residency at that time and um, left and lived in Mount Tremper and Chichester and Phoenicia, and then moved back into the monastery in late 2010 and did 10 years of residency there. I ordained as a Zen Buddhist monk and then ended up leaving in late 2019 thinking that I was on the verge of re-entering lay life. And six months later, the pandemic started. So I've been living in Phoenicia since I left the monastery. And um, as I was leaving the monastery, I was wondering, how do I make a living um, after I've been in full-time residential spiritual training for 10 years? And I had turned to tarot as I was leaving as a way of sort of coping with major life change. And that really became the focus of my spiritual life. And I think that ultimately from this place, I can say that um, I left the monastery in order to step more fully into my identity as an artist. And I've been sort of just finding my way since then. Starting today, you can find that episode on our webpage um, on wjffradio.org. Look for the podcast page. Um, it's Or visit directly wjffradio slash podcast and you can find the cats cast podcast there or you can find it anywhere you find your favorite podcast apple google i'm sure spotify, spotify. Yep, i mean that's an interesting name let's, let's talk <laughs> about the name well how did that name come about uh cats kills uh was spelled the dutch spelling k-a-a-t-s ah, okay. um and it comes from the wild cats that inhabited the region and um kills uh rivers or waterways and um so i i, I went back to that Old Dutch spelling, and actually, I think it's episode two, um, where uh, we talk about the history of that with a historian right. uh, oh, in the Tannersville great. area. That's awesome. I definitely love, love, love to hear that. I love to hear the information. I mean, the history of a place and how names yeah. came about and stuff like that. So that'd be interesting to hear that. And you know, you've done four seasons, over eighty, 80 episodes. Uh, you're talking to folks, exploring topics. Has anything surprised you? Have you has or your perception of a certain topic changed after recording an episode? Yeah, I mean, I'm gravitated towards stories that um, that I'm interested in to start out with. 
but some of them take a turn and I realize that it's uh, different than what I had expected. And some of them, like this last one, Shay and the Catskills, really makes me think <laughs> because uh, she has a unique perspective on life. And uh, I think that's it's great to get other perspectives and get out of your own bubble once in a while. Right. Um, and uh, so that was kind of an interview heavy one. There's also a lot of uh, more scripted ones with more history and um, kind of a narrative approach. So um, I just enjoy the variety. Right. Um, that's, that's, you know, what I love about it is that it's always something new. Right. Um, working right now on the next one, which comes out this coming Tuesday um, about uh, a gentleman in Delancey, New York, which is out near Andes um, who repairs vintage sewing machines. And so just, you know, really interesting characters with interesting stories. Right. We're running out of time here, Brett, but real quick, um, you mentioned your upcoming episode. What else is uh, in store for you? Uh, a bunch of new shows coming up this season, including um, Literary Cat Skills, a story about this very radio station, WJFF, Radio Cat Skill, um, Living Peaceably with Bears. I'd like to do something about the Westkill Brewery, which just opened a bar in Kingston. I'd like to do something about Bald Eagles. Um, I've got a long list, and I just kind of work my way through it and oh. try to keep them as seasonal as possible. Well, definitely we'll have you back on since now you're part of the community podcast page. Definitely uh, when you have a couple of episodes, you know, we're uh, promoting episodes. We can have you on Radio Chatsco and other places like that. So thank you, Brett, so much for joining me on Live in the Studio. Um, Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Fantastic to be here. Uh, Thanks for you were here, so I say that. <laughs> so uh, this is it. that's it for the local edition. We'll be back on Tuesday because Monday we won't have a show because it's MOK Day. Instead of our show on Monday, we'll have a special MLK blueprint. Nope, sorry. One eight salute to MLK, the struggle for democracy and for the vote. You've listened to the local edition. Visit our website WJFF the local edition. For more information, find upcoming guests, see past guests. You've been listening to Local Edition. I've been your host, Patricia Robayo. Have a good night, Lucy. This is Radio Catsco, your NPR station, WWJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Coming up is the debut of Liberation Radio. <laughs>